And away we go, hour three on a sweltering Wednesday, and uh, it's nice to see that coolness has descended upon the room. Our friends in the roundtable discussion, who are with us every Wednesday, are now here. Ernie Eves, a former premier and finance minister in the province. How's Ernie? I'm great. We're here and all chilled out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, we'll see if we can change that, Ernie. Uh, John turley Ewart, risk management consultant specializing in capital markets, extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. How's John? Very good, thank you. Thanks for coming in. And Buzz Hargrove, uh, former head of the Canadian Auto Workers, now a distinguished visiting prof at Ryerson University's Ted Rogers School of Management. Buzz, how goes the battle? Great. No Great. complaints. No complaints? Well, let me start with one. How about these streetcars made by Bombardier, <laughs> uh, by union uh, workers up there in Thunder Bay? That was your shop, wasn't it? I've, I've already told you on this show several times. The problem was all of these parts they brought in from Mexico. Oh. Some bright managers <laughs> decided they could build them cheaper by importing all of the parts and then refitting them because they never fit when they came and it just didn't work. And they, Buzz has they've been got in the a mess. same philosophy as Donald Trump. <laughs> yes. It's all the Mexicans' fault. Yes. <laughs> uh, they certainly did it. They didn't do a job with this here. And I, I blame Bombardier management, but senior management, not the workers. They got a workforce that's been around there. Ernie Eves knows uh, the people in, uh, in Thunder Bay, the old can car uh, plant. Uh, Hennessy used to be... Mickey Hennessy. <laughs> yeah. You're Mickey going way Hennessey, back yeah. now, Buzz. You bet. I was on a committee with Mickey to save the plant. When you poor guy. <laughs> so uh, really what you're saying is then the workers, it wasn't because of uh, poor welding or workmanship or no. anything? It's no, just... I don't know what the issue is. They haven't identified it publicly. Well, then how come you... How, how do you know it's not? I know it's not. I know the I heard that it was the welding issue and that it wasn't the safety of the cars. It was the longevity of the cars that was compromised. Yeah, it wouldn't last the 30 so years. So they're going to ship them three at a time to Quebec to be rewelded, Right. Uh, what is that, some kind of equalization thing here? <laughs> shipping them to... Well, here's Brad Ross. He says the welding defects came as a surprise even to them. You know, it, it was frustrating to us. I mean, these cars mm-hmm. need to be manufactured in a way that does guarantee a 30-year life, that there should not have been this, this weld defect that was later discovered. These are, you know, very complex pieces of technology, frankly. Yes, they're streetcars, but you know, they're, they're, they're computers on steel wheels, to be honest with you. And so to have the, the frames themselves have weld defects was, was quite surprising. Buzz, how does that happen? The frames themselves have welding defects. As, as I recall, the frames were made in Mexico and shipped into Thunder Bay for assembly. So it's the Mexicans entirely that it's screwed the Mexican the order. plant. Now I don't, I don't I don't blame all Mexican workers. Marijuana is a Mexican plant. Uh, <laughs> some of their auto plants down there, their their productivity and quality is better Cannabis than, us, than anybody in the world. But but it's the management I blame for this. All right, well, John, did you have a comment on how it seems like this Bombardier snafu has been going on interminably since we were we placed the order in '09. We still haven't taken full delivery of 204 cars. Well, I, I recall uh, back in, in, in 2009, it was David Miller driving this. It was going to be, you know, we have to buy Bombardier. We don't want to open it up to, you know, other other suppliers. Siemens from Germany, for example. Exactly. And and, and now we're bearing the fruit of, 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 of this uh, effort by Mr. Miller. Uh, and the result is, is we have streetcars that were late, that are not properly welded. And, of course, uh, you know, Welding is is not something that's new. 
It's not, you know, something that was invented just in the past year. We've had, you know, welding for well over a century, Buzz. So I think you all know that Bombardier uh, uh, knew that they had no competition. They could ship it down to Mexico and get a free ride. And what's happening right now, if we're going to be looking at uh, ordering more buses and more uh, of these vehicles in the future for the streetcars, what's the, 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 the mayor saying right now? Oh, it looks like Bombardier's uh, in the running to it's get not, the new, not, new contract. Me, no, it's not just the mayor. It's the people... Uh, who were responsible for ordering and looking at and checking out? They're saying the only ones who could. I don't. I think it makes no sense to me. But they're the only ones who may be able to deliver the next phase of the streetcars. Well, well and that's because why would you? Why would anyone give any effort towards building streetcars for Toronto after 2009? I mean, you have a closed marketplace. You know, other manufacturers say, forget it. We're not going to build any infrastructure in, in, in Toronto or North America uh, in order to try and supply this market. We'll stick to Europe and South America, and that's where we'll make our stuff. Perhaps they should have negotiated these contracts a little bit better. That I mean, hindsight's good. always great, but there should be huge penalties to pay <laughs> if the manufacturer can't deliver on time, if, it, if there are safety defects, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, we have... Both federal and provincial levels of government keep on writing blank checks to, to Bombardier. Well, what do you expect? I mean, yeah. What what what's the deal with our procurement policies? Is there something that mandates uh, that Bombardier get first dibs on this kind of stuff? No. Well, in in Toronto, uh, John's right. Uh, David Miller in the city uh, took the position that uh, at least twenty five percent of the content had to be in Ontario. And the only manufacturer, the only supplier in Ontario was uh, Bombardier. In Thunder Bay. Yeah. I remember it full well. It was Howard yeah. Moscow who was chirping about that. That's right. All right. And so, uh, Your by buddy the way, Howard. Yeah. These cars will take 19 weeks to fix. If it were done by the privates, it'd be about 10 days, wouldn't it, Buzz? <laughs> 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 I kid, of course, Buzz, because there are bigger things that are on the uh, agenda here. As Donald Trump is saber-rattling, he's talking about a 25% tariff on autos. Now, as the former head of the Canadian Auto Workers Union, uh, this is ominous. And uh, But I know at the time you were against NAFTA. I mean, you know, it's repositioning things, certainly, if it comes to pass. How serious is this? Very serious. It, it, this this could end up uh, destroying the auto industry as we know it in uh, in North America. The auto industry is in North most, America. In North America, all three countries, it is so integrated uh, that uh, engines, transmissions, and everything crosses the border sometimes several times before you see the final assembly of the of the vehicle. If you start putting tariffs on that and try to figure out uh, who's going to pay for it. Uh, there's no way that can happen. There's no way you can have an industry that's, that's viable. You go, you go back to where we were in the, in the uh, 40s and 50s. All right, and so we'll be driving McLaughlin's built in Oshawa. Yeah, all right, uh, Ernie, I mean, uh, you talk to people all the time on uh, both sides of the border and, uh, you know, in the know. I mean, is, do you think he's just doing this as a, a, I don't know what his end game would be. Can you have any idea here? I, I mean, I, I agree with Buzz. I mean, if you destroy the automotive sector in North America by keep on putting on these tariffs and fighting back and forth about the automotive industry. You're going to destroy the automotive industry in North America. I couldn't agree more. Um, I really don't know whether President Trump just doesn't get it or whether he's doing this for short political gain with the midterm elections and perhaps his re-election two years after that. 
in his mind, but sooner or later, this has got to come back to haunt you if you actually implement these types of things that you're talking about. All right, but John, if uh, there's one school of thought that says uh, he's using this as leverage to get Canada to back down, for example, on marketing boards. Right, and and so that, that's been my view from the, from the beginning, and the, and the reason I've said that is because I think Trump does understand, uh, or at least General Motors and Ford and others have told him that if he goes through with a, a tariff uh, policy on, on the auto industry, uh, Americans won't be able to afford cars. Uh, cars, they just won't be able to afford them. Uh, and definitely, you don't want. Uh, I mean, he realizes that if people can't afford to buy their cars, they're not going to uh, vote for him. I mean, my view is is that he's got a strong base in the agricultural community and the rural communities in, in the United States, and uh, the marketing boards have been a sore point for a long time. And uh, you know, this is this is where I think. Uh, he he figured he could squeeze Trudeau and see what he could get out of him. And Trudeau's got a conundrum because he doesn't know does he if he gives an inch does then uh, does then um, Trump come back and want a mile? Does he come after our timber industry? Uh, you know, so so they're in a very complicated situation right now. And as we said earlier, I mean, we might be waiting till after the midterms until we actually get a solution to this. All right, but then as you said, Trudeau uh, he's fired back with his sixteen point six billion dollars in tariffs on American goods coming in, primarily from states where Trump may be vulnerable in the midterms. This is the whole game being played. And Trudeau was announcing this uh, much ballyhooed on Canada Day, no less. Uh, is that the right strategy, Ernie, do you think? I mean, to fight back and uh, to posture that, you know, we're not going to take it lying down? Well, I think he almost had to do that. I mean, you can't just sit there and keep on absorbing blow after blow after blow. The only thing I might be somewhat critical about the current prime minister about was the way that I think he sort of grandstanded after the G7 for the cameras because he thought it would look really good. No sooner had Trump's plane, you know, was wheels up on its way to the meeting with Kim Jong-un and Trudeau was slamming him. Uh, I, you know, from what I hear, I wasn't there obviously, but they had a few hours of good productive meetings. They actually made some progress on some NAFTA issues. Trump agreed that he was going to sign on to the, uh, you know, t- to the communique of the G7, despite the fact he didn't want to. That is not the time to poke the bear in the eye with a sharp stick. <laughs> he, sh- he should have just said, you know, we've made some progress, blah, 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 and I'm going to stand up for Canadians. But he's never seen a photo, fu- not, not unlike Mr. Trump, he's never seen a photo op he didn't like wanted to be known as the tough guy standing up to Mr. Trump. Too bad he might have screwed the Canadian economy for the next 50 years. But the problem is, uh, with that argument, Ernie, is that uh, Trudeau has been saying this publicly, the very same thing, uh, that we're going to retaliate. We cannot accept that tariffs are going to be put on us. Uh, We're going to do it in in a way that's dollar for dollar, and we're going to do it, we're going to give them a month before we put it on to give them an opportunity to say, uh, we recognize that we shouldn't be doing this to Canada. So I agree, I, I agree, but they were doing that behind closed doors anyway. No, but he was I mean, publicly I, I, still saying that they were going to do this, and he was he saying said we're it not a little more be, forcefully. We're than, not going to be bullied that. by the Americans. He said that several times before that uh, press conference in, um, in uh, Quebec. All right. Well, listen, uh, Donald Trump, obviously, uh, he has an impact on a lot of things in all of our lives, uh, certainly with uh, his Supreme Court appointments. It's interesting how this is playing out. Uh, It's 
got interesting ramifications that, Buzz, you may be a little bit disturbed by. I wanted to come back and present it to you here in just a moment. I'll write and see what everybody else has to say with Ernie Eves, John Turley-Ewart, and our buddy Buzz Hargrove. The Oakley Show continues. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.